0: Hello and welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast. I wanted to take the time today to share a recent blog that I wrote with you. I know that so many people have a preference for listening as a way of digesting their material. So let me share with you this blog that was titled How Women in Leadership Are Being Overlooked. It was all about understanding the invisible workload and why we can't switch off from work. The inspiration for this one came from a couple of different places, but it was fair to say that what really got me thinking about this was a message I received from an incredible leader that, you know, I know, I know pretty well, we've spent a fair bit of time together and I got this message as she was recovering from the flu. And the message said, insight, I can completely switch off from work with no guilt, but I have to be very sick to do it. I want to be able to do that at other times, too, and not just on long holidays when there's no Wi-Fi. I want to be able to switch off with no guilt on the weekends, on evenings, on days off. And at the same time, I saw the Deloitte Women at Work Global Outlook for 2023, and it called out that the number of women who feel unable to switch off from work has increased. That won't be a surprise to anyone in this audience at all. And, you know, when I got the message, it was tempting to respond with, you know, all of the latest productivity tips, you know, share brilliant ways of setting priorities, focus on how to say no, all sorts of unhelpful suggestions that women in senior leadership roles get. And I think they leave people feeling worse, feeling like we should be able to fix it or even worse, you know, fix themselves. And I resisted the urge to do it. And instead, I started to think deeply about the root cause You know, I further to this saw the Melbourne University State of the Future of Work report, which was from March 2023, and it identified that one out of two workers aged between 18 and 54 felt exhausted at work. I thought I'd love to be able to access the data on senior professional females from 35 to 55, this audience. This is the group I spend time with, and exhaustion feels universal right now. You know, how do we actually catch our breath? I imagine that it was a similar feeling that led Professor Laurie Weingart and her co-authors to join the inaugural meeting of the I Just Can't Say No Club to share their own workload challenges, challenges like doing a lot of work for others and never getting the credit. Feeling overwhelmed and never getting on top of all of it, even when they got up at 4 a.m. to start the day. You know, women in leadership are stretched so thin. We lurch from holiday to holiday, booking spots with no Wi Fi so we can't be found. If anyone's got any hop tips, um share them around you know we crave silent time no music no podcasts no one climbing on us just silence and often we get feedback from our teams that they need us to be more accessible which leads to diaries full of meetings all day and an email party at 10 p.m. at night when everyone else is in bed you know or we're so busy focusing on our teams mental and physical well-being that we forget about our own oxygen mask and we think we'll catch up later catch up in the quiet of our own email inbox which made me think of dr christy goodwin who i interviewed recently who shares in her new book dear digital we need to talk that the new apnea is sleep or sorry the new the normal apnea is sleep apnea the new apnea is email apnea where we unconsciously hold our breath or we breathe shallowly when we're responding to emails The exact opposite of the deep breathing required to settle our parasympathetic system and stimulate relaxation prior to going to sleep. So the cycle continues. I've interviewed more than 100 company directors, CEOs, and senior executives and academics as part of puzzling my way through these issues. And the final question I ask at the end of every interview is What does brave feminine leadership mean from your perspective and does it need to change? 100 answers later, I'm at the point where I understand how much personal agency we all have, so how much control we all have, but I also sense the weight of the invisible constraints, in part coming from a typical gender stereotypes and the traditional roles that women have taken on that hinder our growth. Gender equality is definitely part of the longer-term solution. It's critical to unpack this issue Women are still significantly underrepresented in leadership and decision-making roles, and now companies are struggling to hold on to the relatively few female leaders that they have. It's time, I think, as female leaders to put ourselves first for a while. Please. During my own CEO tenure, there came a point where I had given it all. I'd led the company through a turnaround. I'd refreshed our culture. I'd managed the downsizing of a legacy business built a new business to replace that and then grow our revenue and dramatically improved our profitability. And I'd also led the company through an ultimately unsuccessful attempt at selling to new shareholders. You know, I looked ahead and I contemplated the energy it was going to take to re-energize the company, particularly my executive leadership team. And I knew that I needed to fill my own tank. And I did that by taking an extended break. I took eight way, eight weeks away from the office to switch off completely and to reconnect with all of the other important things in my life. I didn't take an overseas trip. I didn't run around. I just rested. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. You know, I had the support of my board. I had the strength in my leadership team to do that. And did I mention two kids who were in primary school at the time? I came back fresh and invigorated to lead. Now, I know that this won't be the answer for everyone, but there's a small part of me that wishes more of us tried it. It's a real gift to decide to do this for yourself. And after the last few years where we've been in a constant fight or flight state, I think a necessary one. So let's unpack this invisible workload that I referenced earlier in the title. What is it and why is it important? And I'm going to start with home. You know, we've all seen the research supporting the fact that the gender division of domestic labour is one of the core contributing factors to gender inequality, that and the lack of affordable, accessible childcare. Research published in the Washington Post last year shared some news that was really puzzling. And it talked about the fact that even when we are the main breadwinners in senior leadership positions, our share of the housework goes up. And there's a quote from Joanna Sidra, who's a professor at the UK-based University of Bath School of Management. And she said, we see these top female earners as compensating in doing more housework, not when women out-earn their husbands, but when mothers out-earn fathers. So parenthood seems to have a traditionalising effect. I've been there. You know, it's it's like, I remember when this was me, it's like some deep-seated beliefs about my value as a wife and mother came into play. And despite having an incredibly supportive husband who absolutely lifts his share, I pandered to my own perception of how others would judge me, or was it how I would judge myself? I imagined that others would find me deficient if I wasn't seen to be managing on all fronts. This was the phase when I decided that anyone, anytime someone visited the house, it needed to look like it was ready for a photo shoot with Vogue. Perfectionism much? I assure you that is not the case today, so uh, feel, free, feel free to pop over. It won't be looking like a Vogue photo shoot but it persists. You know, recently I overheard someone share proudly how their wife keeps the house so clean that you could eat off the floor. And I was tempted to suggest that next time we visit, they skip the dinner plates and we give it a go. I'm all about reducing work wherever we can. So choose your partners carefully, female leaders. I remember in one of my very early interviews with Anne Sherry, And Anne Sherry is the Chancellor of Queensland University of Technology, the Chair of UNICEF, and she's been a CEO of a number of organisations. I remember her sharing the need to manage your personal context actively, not passively. And as she said, other people sometimes say, choose your partner carefully. It's the most important decision you'll make. And don't we know it? Anne's advice was to verbalise stuff. Don't keep it in your own head and assume everyone else will work it out. Great advice. Have the conversations early. Tammy Medard, the Managing Director of AMZ Institutional Bank for Australia and Papua New Guinea, who I interviewed recently in my most recent series, she shares in our conversation how she was two hours into the first date with her husband and shared her intention to be a working mum. Now, this is no good if you miss the chance to have that conversation if you've been married for 20 years and you're navigating the challenge right now. But I think the best you can do is be open about the load. You know, split the mental burden of remembering all the details of the kids' teachers. Take month on and month off responsibility for the school communication. And once in a while, let your partner buy the cupcakes from Coles and try and make them look homemade. Or there's the other approach of just simply stopping all of that unpaid labour. You know, I resigned recently from house duties and it lasted about four days. (laughs) Let me take a brief pause from listening to the podcast for a minute just to check in and see if the conversation's inspiring any new thoughts or any new reflections for you. I hear so often from people in our audience, largely successful and senior professional women, how much they are craving some inspiration into their lives. I would just love to share with you, if you're looking for some, then come and sign up for our Sunday Inspiration email series. You can find a link in the show notes at the end of the show. Now let's get back to the podcast. The invisible load for female leaders is another ball game altogether. I was blown away when I interviewed Professor Laurie Weingart from Carnegie Mellon. It was like a missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle fell into place for me. And I think this is the most impactful research I've come across. I really do. Together with her co-authors, Linda Babcock, Brenda Pazer and Lisa Vestalan, she released The No Club, putting a stop to women's dead-end work. And the the book centres around the concept of non-promotable tasks. These are tasks that are important for the organisation but they don't contribute directly to career development, advancement, or recognition. Things like organising events, proofreading colleagues' works, sitting on committees, taking on low-revenue clients, the sort of things that don't always require specific skills, but they do need to be done. So a non-promotable task is something that matters to your organisation, but will not help you advance your career. And the findings from this research are startling. The problem is not about women learning to say no. It is true that women are 50% more likely to say yes when they're asked to do non-promotable tasks. It's also true that women are more likely than men to be asked. And the research highlights how social gender stereotypes influence this heavily and how we can't simply start saying no. This leads to the risk of being labelled as she's not a team player So the real issue here is one for leaders and organisations to address. So get a copy of this book. I highly recommend everyone reads this book. Share a copy of the book with your leader. Even better, share it with your board members if you can get access to them. After all, they've been given the task to improve female representation in the executive teams. This book holds a lot of the answers. Good leaders everywhere are not even aware that they're asking you to do more than your male counterparts. So it's on the executive leadership team and organisations to fix this. So this is an opportunity to become alert and aware to this research and to ask yourself if this could be part of the challenge. So three practical tips that could help you lighten the load and help you switch off. First one is understand the mix of work that you're doing. Are you doing mostly core work that's directly linked to the organisation's currency of success You know can you see the link to the organizational strategy from your role the next one is to do a simple audit of your time there's a brilliant case study in the book and by avoiding overload you can increase your ability to leverage your unique skills you don't need to stop doing all of these non-promotable tasks and this is an interesting one because so, so many times i hear people say and in fact i talk about it with laurie in our conversation together if you're doing some of these tasks that bring you joy and they align deeply with your values, brilliant. Keep doing it. They're not going to be the things that are making you feel overwhelmed. It's about making sure the balance is not tipped too far in one direction that potentially leads to you missing out on opportunities. Then the last one is about assessing your capability at delegating tasks to your own team. You know, Do you need to develop in this area? Are you unconsciously asking women more women than men to start picking these things up. You know, it's really easy as a leader to fall into the trap of asking the person most likely to say, yes, I know I've been guilty of that in the past before I understood this. I think we all look to the people we can rely on to do these things. And unfortunately, sometimes that happens to be the same person all the time. So if you're ambitious to make a bigger impact, but you can't shake the exhaustion or find the time, I really recommend you get a copy of this book Um, or as quickly as you can when the podcast with Laurie is released, get into it and listen to it. It really is the frank talk that you, you need to listen to. So imagine seeing more chief executive women when we look up. I like to imagine a future that when we think of a leader, there isn't one gender or ethnicity that we immediately recall. Think of the differing behaviours and the flexible work structures that we could be exposed to and benefit from when we demonstrate that shift. I'm hearing all of the potential through my interviews and these incredible conversations continue to fill me with a great sense of optimism for the future. Our next series is going to be released in a couple of weeks' time. So, you know, in closing out this blog, Women in Leadership, there is nothing to fix women are equally as ambitious as our male counterparts and we too understand the importance of power to make positive changes that come with senior management roles. The double standards in place though mean women use extra energy to access it. It's really okay to sit comfortably with ambition and power as part of our leadership presence and vocab and we shouldn't need to expend the energy to head off scrutiny in those areas. On the other hand, there is Equal representation with the things that keep all of us awake at night, regardless of gender. We all worry about the same things at the end of the day financial security, mental health, physical health, career, and job certainty. So let's stop wasting time on old, outdated gender biases. They were all made up in the first place. In short, there should be no difference in outcome or assumption for the actions that we take, the way that we achieve, the words that we speak, or the way that we speak them. It's exhausting carrying around the additional load necessary to adjust so much about ourselves. All of that before the workload starts to pile up. So let's cut the crap. Let's see through these old outdated biases and face into the conversations that we need to have. The reasons why women struggle to switch off from work unless they are seriously unwell are multifaceted and deeply rooted in society and workplace dynamics. So while we wait for those dynamics to change, Here are my tips to cope with the workload of today. And I promise it's not about fixing anything. The first one, conduct what I call a necessary or no audit. Take a closer look at the work you're doing and ask yourself, is it all necessary? Aim to identify any sneaky, non-promotable tasks that have crept in and make a conscious decision about what to hang on to. So be intentional about it. Keep the tasks that truly light you up and contribute to your overall goals and confidently say nope to the ones that drain your energy without providing significant value. You can be active in curating a good part of your workload. And if you give it thought, there's probably compelling reasons to share the load, including benefits to the business of many hands make light work. There might even be a colleague who really wants to take the task on. So change the narrative in your head on that one. The next one is to conduct a meeting makeover and delegate like a pro. So take a critical look at the meetings you attend or organise and evaluate their effectiveness. Start by asking yourself if each meeting serves a clear purpose and if all the attendees truly need to be there, especially you. The next one is to block space in your diary to think. I say this one a lot. You might be sick of me repeating this one all the time. But, you know, newsflash for all of us, thinking is one of the things we're paid to do in senior roles. We're here in these roles for our capacity to think and to contribute to strategy. So if you start anywhere, start here. You know, I often hear from people, it's easy to delegate a few things and then fill all of the space up with other commitments. Please don't do that. Please don't spend time buried in your email inbox. And don't let that precious thinking time be kept in place by trying to keep your inbox in check. The next one is to ask for help. I'm going to say it three times. Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. This is a sign of strength. If there's a conversation you need to have with your leader, then go and do it. Trust me, your leadership brand will benefit with those that matter the most when you choose to lead with vulnerability. And the other benefit is you'll get clarity on what really matters. So ask your leader what you can stop doing. This is often forgotten step of great leadership and strategy, your stop doing list. Just write that down. If you do nothing else today other than set up a stop doing list, that would be a brilliant outcome. Next, get curious and seek better ways of working. Have you tried to use generative AI like ChatGPT? These tools are designed to speed things up, I promise. And then lastly, do whatever you need to do to have a good laugh. I loved my conversation with Jane Caro and she said it best for me in the in our recent interview. In her words, you can be mediocre, you can be plain, you can be fat, you can be flatulent and you are still a decent person. Our conversation was so full of humour and deep reflection. So don't ignore the warning signs Your health really is the only priority that truly matters. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And that was the end of another podcast conversation. So thank you so much for listening to the episode today. I often hear from leaders who felt inspired by the conversations and are ready to put themselves first. And so I wanted to take a brief moment just to share how I've helped hundreds of women just like you become crystal clear on the exact steps they should be following right now to lead an intentional and sustainable life without second-guessing themselves so that they can maximise their influence and impact. I've put some details into the show notes and there's a link there where you can find out some more about our signature Elevate and Influence program. While you're there, take the time to sign up for our Sunday Inspiration email series. Have a brilliant day.